Hey, Blind Luck. How are you doing today, sir? Doing good. Doing good. Just finished my bike ride and get my after workout meal in. Nice. Love to hear it. In your after workout meal in? Did you say that? Did I hear that right? Yep. I always eat a meal after working out. Okay, good. I thought you might have said that backwards. And uh, I was like, man. Um, <laughs> That's risky. Uh, yeah, I, I don't work out on a full side. That never works out well. No, you've seen uh, Band of Brothers, right? Curry Heat. That's no good. No, I haven't seen that. I just know from my powerlifting days, you go in with a full stomach, you're not going to be able to do anything. All right, on. Yeah, yep, no doubt. I played a lot of sports back in the day. You wouldn't know by looking at me now, but uh, yeah, played a lot. And uh, that was definitely one of the mistakes I learned along the way is eating a little too much spaghetti before basketball sauce is not, or basketball practice, not a good idea. No, not at all. Not at all. So, what do you think of that Wendy's retraction? That was interesting. They... <laughs> that is crazy, man. I did I mean, not expect I... that quick. Well, it was smart. I mean, I, I didn't think it'd be that quick, but. Yeah. Anytime you announce you're going to just randomly increase prices on people, they're not going to be happy. Yeah, no doubt. Like, uh, I was actually bringing it up with friends and family, well, mostly family members here. And it was like, yeah, everybody is like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You know, like, what? Of course, they're going to just try to get, squeeze more money out. I'm going to stop going to Wendy's. So I was like, wow. Well, and that's the thing. It's too. not like there's a cornered market here you can go to mcdonald's you can go to burger king you can go to chick-fil-a like you got options i mean when uber started that they were kind of only gaming a lot of these towns um yeah and, and that makes sense with uber the service improves if you pay the drivers more you know your food doesn't taste better if you pay more for work right and i go to uh, i use lyft because of the pricing's more stable with lyft than it is with uber right so I like to use Lyft for that reason. That's in, but there's only two games and two names there. And uh, like you said, fast food's a little different. So yeah, that's crazy though. Like within a day, <laughs> they re realized their mistake, I guess. And obviously, uh, somebody higher up realized it was a mistake and came down hard. Like the person who made the decision did not retract that. Somebody else came in and said, uh, "Hell no." <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, anyways. Um, yeah, anyways, I did not expect that. But that, that was fun, to just kind of walking through that last night uh, a yeah, little that's, bit. that's why I pointed out last night. We had a good conversation around it, and we all kind of did the same, came to the same conclusion. Apparently, Wendy did, too. Yeah, yeah. When, maybe they were tuned in. You never know. Wendy might be tuned in. We had a lot of people listening. I don't know who was all out in the crowd. But, uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about wealth-building wisdom, as I like to refer to it. Um, shame Joe couldn't make it. Maybe he'll join us late, but he told me he got caught up and um, won't be able to join us. But Joe France, um, man, he's he's on our panel a lot most of the time, and uh, he has great stories to tell along this wealth building wisdom. And uh, yeah, so just for what that's worth, we'll have to have a circle back with him and have these kind of conversations. Um, but I'm glad you guys are here as well, Carl. Welcome. Just talking to Blind Luck, and we're going to get into this wealth-building conversation. I've got some ideas here to get into. Um, love to hear from you guys as well. Hey, Kay, how's it going? I know Kay has been enjoying the markets. Hey, what's up, man? Looks like I'm beating you. Man, I got smoked today. Snow got <laughs> destroyed, like absolutely destroyed after markets. It was a little sad to see. <laughs> so yeah, we, we have a full year to go. So I, I'm pretty sure you'll you'll, you'll go. You're being nice, man. This is like <laughs> this is open wounds. This is a wide open for, for if you don't know what we're talking about, which I'm, I would believe most of you probably don't. Anyways, uh, Kay and I we just pick stocks for the year, and I picked Snow, which after hours just got absolutely destroyed, and. Um, it's not how you build wealth. That is not how it's done by picking stocks that get destroyed. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a one earnings call and that is the trick with earnings. Um, it could definitely go the wrong way on you. Um, and then how did Okta do? Like, what did they end up at? 23% they're up uh, after hours. So Snow is down 22 and Okta's up 23. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Man, that, that's going to be a big gap up tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. That'll be interesting to trade. And then we've got a bunch of uh, 
Is it is it the CPI data tomorrow? I think so. Let me check. Let me yeah. check. We got good info coming tomorrow, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, Marcus, I think tomorrow's core PPI. Is that what it is? Yep, core PPI. Okay, that meant, I had it pulled up earlier, and I just can't oh, remember. Oh, and uh, Friday is uh, February jobs report. That's going to be huge. Yes, jobs reports will be huge. So, yeah, it's a big week for the markets, as always. A lot of earnings going on, mixing with all these news. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a continued to be fun. I would say if you're a trader and uh, lots, lots of action, lots of opportunities, um, you know, so along those lines, um, what, and I want to kick right into this and, uh, oh, hey, Eric, see you out there. If you're able to join, please feel free get shoot an invite out there. If not, no worries. Appreciate you listening and appreciate everybody tuning in this evening. So again, talking about massive wins and fails and by massive, I mean, everything's relative, um, but I want to get into a little bit of conversation around this and get your guys' experiences. And I think just kind of sharing uh, what we've learned and what we've gone through is helpful. Um, Stocks after dark. Thanks for joining. Uh, I see Frank. I did see Frank. Hey, Frank. Thanks for joining as well. You guys feel hey, free. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Have a good time. With it. Tomorrow is core PCE. It's probably one of the most important numbers of the first quarter, in my opinion. There it is, core PCE. So why why is that the most most important to you, Frank? Because that's what the Fed looks at. Yeah. That's their most important number. Agreed. It's going to tell us a lot about the market for the next six weeks. Yeah, I was just looking. It looks like markets are moving up a little bit. I don't know if they gave, started pulling back, but um, I try not to watch while, while we're talking about this stuff. Otherwise, I get well, a little distracted. What's your guys's, uh, you know, before we get to our... Our, yeah. our stuff. What, what's your guys' prediction for the PCE? I mean, that's that's gonna be really interesting. I I really don't know. It, it could go either way, in my opinion. Hot or cold? Hot or cold? Any opinions? I think you have to react to it. It's because it's gonna be one way. Yeah. Probably, and you just have to sense. get on board either way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. That's a good approach. Yeah, I'm, I'm really mixed on it. We had a uh, kind of hot. CPI data come in last week, but, you know, there's some indications of some market, you know, growth, you know, not market, um, economic growth kind of slowing down too. So uh, it's a tough one, man. I don't know. What time does that come out? Anybody know? 830. 830. Waste no, waste no time of it, right? Yeah. Nate, uh, I feel your pain. I was in snow, but uh, I had a core equity position uh way below like below 190 and i never added to it and i i played calls and and i scaled down to very small lotto play so you know but i was house money i was risking so you know you have to just watch your risk profile because there's always one that's going to fail and i listened to uh this the ceo ceo's leaving after he was on kramer uh and uh it was not a good look at all but I, I think even so, the stock will eventually recover. But um, it was, uh, they weren't prepared. It was poor. The guy comes from Google, um, which, you know, they're having their own AI issues right now. So I, I think it'll be fine. The stock's actually off its lows. But, um, you know, it's just a disappointment. But, you know, that's part of the game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a huge surprise, the CEO. I don't think anybody had that on the radar, right? So, uh, CEO leaving. Um, and then, yeah, um, core PCD tomorrow. I mean, just for what that what that's worth. If I've got this right, right? It's it's um, our, our basically our uh, prices paid, excluding food and energy, right? So. I got that right. And so, yeah, core, that's what the Fed pays attention to for sure. If it comes in hot, you know, rates will be adjusted accordingly. And uh, I don't think we're going to have any concern of rate hikes necessarily, just a delay to cut in rates, which uh, I'm wondering now at this point how markets would react to that. I mean, we seem to just keep uh, shrugging things off. So, well, what would see. it take for rate hikes, in your opinion? I mean, some of these numbers are starting to come in kind of hot. Like, what, what 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 would it take to start that conversation at the Fed? Do you think? Ah, uh, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. I do think that the 
there's no messing around with inflation. Like if, if, if inflation starts, I guess this is my answer. If inflation starts to like really rear up here, rear its head up a little bit, like show trending multiple, you know, months in a row, maybe three months in a row or something like uh, on the incline, maybe that would do it because there's no way they want to end up in a spot where they're battling inflation or, you know, coming back and, and dealing with yeah. all of that. That'd be a nightmare I mean, here's, scenario. Here's kind of the wild card in my mind is like the Fed can really only raise rates when employment's strong. So like, I almost feel like they might be a little overly aggressive if they think inflation is going to tick up because employment's so strong right now is employment starts to weaken. It really takes that tool off the table and they, they can't really afford to let that happen. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like they might be more aggressive than not aggressive enough. You know what I mean? We'll have to see how it goes. Um, yeah. So anyways, lots, sorry, I got a little quick distraction there. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, a, I think, a lot of volatility this week. And then Friday mentioned the jobs data. So um, yeah, I think that's going to be plenty to trade around. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to it. Hey, guys, can I jump in here? I, I know I'm, I haven't been on here for a long time, and I'm having technical issues. I can't see any of you. Um, oh, we can so see. I, okay, cool. I, I can't see any of you, and the only reason I can hear you is because you invited me to speak, uh, Nate. So thank you. I, I'm having weird problems. I with with the app. It's on. I'm on my phone right now, so maybe that's it. But uh, no um, no yeah. earlier today, same kind of things on with Jordan, and and I could hear him loud and clear. And he was a co-host, and he couldn't see him. So okay, you know, fun spaces, cool. but just. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't know. Have you guys, yeah, have you guys heard of a? I've been looking. I've been sort of looking into this lately because I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a doom and gloom guy. So I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, get the fights or nothing. But I just, I, I just, I, I. Have you guys ever heard of a crack up boom? That that concept when when fiscal policy and monetary policy diverge, like throughout history, what's happened? Because I, I, I really think that. Like I think that that the government is in so much debt that its interest rates, instead of actually having a a, a a tightening, they're almost having like a stimulatory effect, and I think that's what we're seeing here. And a really, it's really interesting to see how the because I've been following like the fiscal and monetary policy and just seeing how that like historically how it works, and um, I just find it really interesting to see how like there's a lot of really bad numbers coming out, but the markets are doing well. And I'm not saying that that's, that hasn't happened before. That's we know that that happens quite a bit where the markets are respond differently than the broader economy. But um, I just found it weird that kind of, we're having all this sort of negative news in different places, but the markets are kind of jumping and um, record highs in some cases. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, what's happening. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with what what what, what they do with um with actually um um with rates if the rates are actually indeed having a stimulatory effect on the economy, right? So I don't I follow the bond yeah. market as well, right? So it's a little bit I, I do a little bit differently, and I just I anyway I just thought I that's that's interesting. I I don't disagree with you. I've actually thought this before, but could you give an example of? How higher rates would be stimulating the economy just for our listeners here um it's the concept right. most people don't think about well okay so it just it has to do with the math and the deaths like look at like historically speaking like if we look turn back to the 70s where we had these rate hikes there wasn't really an impact because of debt to gdp right america especially is I, i'm i'm not from america but you lead the world and you have for my whole life at least and um i i think that like what what I've noticed is the debt to GDP in America is what is it 100 130%? So it means you guys are spent well and you're and you're the best you're the best right like if you look at my country it's way worse but the debt to GDP is like 130% and there's and that's like you, you produce a lot more so you spend a lot more than you make basically and as a result because um and because of all of the all of the things that's happening and the US the value of the US dollar kind of dropping a little bit and what's happening in the world there's a lot of different countries that are not happy about sanctions and they're dumping some of the u.s currency and you're having this sort of 
this this these bond markets where you know the, the government is looking for people to buy their bonds to invest in them but they're having to actually increase their incentives right they're having to increase the what they give back to the investor because the investor is not well they're thinking like wait a minute like why would i invest in you given these situations and so the you know the the government's trying to entice people by increasing these interest rates and so the money that they have to like the money that they owe in order to service their debts is in the, almost an i think it's almost a trillion or it's coming on to a trillion so it's like maybe it's like having a stimulatory effect and i just and i just i just thought of, i thought of, i thought i would research like what 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 a crack up boom is because i heard that coming from one of my circles and other circles and some of the literature i've been reading and i just started looking into it and i just thought wow maybe this is actually something that might be happening and maybe that'll affect the way that you know it's another metric that may affect that the way that the the fed goes with interest rates so i don't know if you guys ever thought about it before i just i would yeah. just so oh, I'm going to rephrase this just and make sure I understand. But my understanding is that the theory here is you have so much debt that you're paying interest on yeah. that the interest payment being injected into the economy is so large that it actually has a stimulating effect versus that's larger than the drag effect on the cost of borrowing to businesses. That, that's basically how I'm hearing this theory, right? That's that's way better explained than the way I, I just explained it. But yes. And, and think about all of the people like the people who are investing are all market, they're all in the market, right? So they're just, what if they just turn, are turning around and taking that, that into that interest payment that they're receiving and they're just investing it into the, you know, into the market and driving the, the, the value of the market higher. <clears throat> um, anyway, I just, I, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a working, it's a work in progress, right? So, um, this is what I like to hear from you, Eric. Glad you joined us, man. That's interesting. And if there's not, if there's one thing I'm positive about is that all of this is very complex. So, um, yeah. There, there's, there's another concept here that's kind of weird. I'm going to kind of jump on what Eric just said is when you get debt to GDP ratio over 100, money printing actually lowers your debt to GDP ratio. So let's say fiscal policy spends a spends trillion dollars they don't have tax revenue for, right? So they're injecting a trillion dollars into the economy, but they're only adding a trillion dollars to the national debt at that point, which would be less than the 130% um, debt to GDP ratio because they increase GDP by $1 trillion by injecting it, and theoretically more if it gets you know circulated through the economy a couple times within a year, right? So in some ways, lowering debt GDP can be actually you can actually spend your way out of it if it's productive spending. Now, there's the broken window theory where, you know, people say, oh, well, if we, you know, go start a war, it's going to stimulate the economy. And that's not necessarily true because you're destroying something. You're not adding production capacity to the economy in a meaningful way, which means that you might have a short-term, one-year reduction in debt to GDP, but that debt doesn't turn into long-term growth. So they call that the broken window theory. Like the, the idea is you walk down the street and you throw a brick through every store window, and uh, the window manufacturer all of a sudden gets a bunch of window orders and it stimulates the economy, right? But no new production value is actually created. So long-term, it's actually a bad um, bad way to drive your economy. But um, yeah, and in some ways, irresponsible spending could actually lower our debt-to-GDP ratio if it ended up in the correct places, which is such a backward concept. Yeah, man, that is very backwards. <laughs> you got... Here's a here's a request, Blind Luck. I would like you to always get your workout in and get your meal in right before the show. You're on fire today, my oh, man. On fire. Um, <clears throat> this is good stuff. And Eric, thanks for joining because this is, yeah, like, like I said, I told you this a long time ago. I appreciate what you bring to the table. So I'm glad glad to see you here. No, um, I love I love connecting with you guys, and uh, I've you know I just had a I I've. I've I've been sick and I got really hurt, really hurt, pretty bad. Um, doing some training and, and CrossFit. I'm old and I, I busted up my neck and and uh, ripped apart both shoulders. A little bit of dramatic language, but the point is I hurt myself pretty bad. So I've been in, I've been I've been in that treatment and, uh, and I, then I got sick. So <laughs> yeah, of course. No, I, love, I love I love hearing you guys. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm glad you you could join us. I hope you're feeling. It sounds like you're doing better. Sorry, sorry to way hear that. that. Man, that's yeah, rough. Way better, way better. No, it's, I'm always I'm always uh, excited to 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 listen to you guys. I have there's there's a lot that I I'm seeing just by connecting with you guys that 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 I haven't seen before, and that's kind of leading to these other ideas that I'm like looking into. So thanks. Yeah, good stuff. Man, uh, I, my 17-year-old was making fun of me today because I'm old too, Eric, and uh, I'm lifting these 10-pound weights over here, you know, just like making sure I'm staying active. Like, I'm not trying to bulk up or nothing, just just keeping active. And uh, they're like teal and little pink, you know, 10 and 15-pound weights or whatever. And, uh, yeah, but I told him, I was like, look, man, I know, I know how to stay within – you know what I need to stay within, so I can keep pushing forward without overdoing it, right? So, and that—that's a lesson. What's that? That's probably smart. Yeah. Yeah, my man. Like I got friends that play sports well into their fifties, and they're always tearing something and ripping something. And and I, you know, I appreciate that they still do it because I'm competitive as all as all get out, and like I appreciate it, but. You know, I think probably lucky for me is I just don't see well enough to be able to try to do any of that anymore. So it keeps me a little bit moving a little slower. But uh, yeah, so it's funny. I kind of I'm gonna try to set, see how you can do with this segue here, guys. You let me know if I if I fail miserably. But like, this reminds me of staying kind of as you're growing and trying to do your thing here. Like, because what we're always talking about building wealth and talking about the economy and talking about rates because of the impact it has on your, your portfolio. And while you're dealing with all of this, it's real easy to kind of get overwhelmed and do too much. And uh, it's really beneficial to be able to identify that quickly versus dragging that out over a long period of time. So, you know, one thing I've tried to do is uh, figure out how to leverage what I enjoy doing and uh, use that to both just build a community and share knowledge and do all these things that we're doing here on the space. Thanks for tuning in everybody, by the way, appreciate that very much. And, uh, and doing all these things, but also find a way to generate other avenues of income and build wealth so that my kids and their kids maybe don't have to worry about these things. And cause you know, I don't come from a family that's got generational wealth or anything like that. Um, you know, so trying to establish something here by doing this and, I'm not going to hit it right, you know, right out of the park. So I've gone, made a few mistakes. And uh, one of the things I've learned along the way is how to quickly identify like, okay, this is probably not the right path, but also not give up on things too quickly, right? It's, there's a different, and basically what it comes down to is there's a difference between like what's hard and what doesn't fit. And if you can figure out that that difference, it's a different feeling, but it's like, for example, I'm trying to figure out futures trading right now. Frank knows that. And um, it's hard. This shit is hard. It's not easy. But it's not impossible. It's not a, a bad fit for me. This is right up my alley. I'm enjoying it. And I know it's hard. So I'm going to keep continuing to press forward with it. But when I tried to open up, for example, a Discord room, because that seemed to be what everybody that liked to trade uh, was doing, it was not my my strong suit, right? Like it required me to do way too much and learn way too much while I was doing on top of all of the trading and everything else I was um, I'm doing. So it it was hard, sure. I mean, running a Discord room, by the way, props to anybody out there running a Discord room. It was hard, but it, it was more than hard. It was not the right fit. I didn't love it. I it started draining me. I started getting tired and a little bit overwhelmed. And, um, and I could feel that versus like, oh, damn, man, this is an obstacle I got to get through. What's up, Kay? Uh, by the way, I know it was draining to you, but we enjoyed your Discord group. It was really oh, good. Thanks, man. The, 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 yeah, the, the trades you put. And I, and I think for, for folks who probably have not signed up to the newsletter, I think that is a good version of what you used to put on the on the Discord. So I think that kind of makes it up. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um, and I'll just pin that right up top, actually. So the newsletter is what I pivoted to. So that's a, that's a great, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks, man. I appreciate the kind words. So the, new, the, the Discord room is awesome because uh, I liked the way it's set up. 
surprise, surprise, because I set it up, right? And it was exactly what I wanted it to look like and how I always wanted these rooms to look like, not overwhelming, but not too, you know, not too simple, whatever. Um, but it just required way too much time and me working in the mornings, which anybody who knows me knows I hate doing things in the morning. Anything other than maybe trading and getting on spaces, I do not like to do. And um, and so, yeah, it was not it was not a good fit. So I started thinking about what it is that would be a good fit. And I really enjoyed writing like that was part of the discord room. And I've always enjoyed writing and um, feel like I have a bit of, you know, I have some talents in that arena. I don't know how to say this, try to be modest. So I started, you know, really leaning into the newsletter, which I was already writing and, and ramped it up from once a week to every single day. And I miss a day here and there, but for the most part, we get something out every day. And the trade ideas, like you mentioned, Kay, they're worked in there. They're just less, there's, there's not as often, right? I don't have them updated every single day. I drop them maybe once or twice a week. And um, and then there's the market analysis and anything else that's pertinent and, and interesting. And I love to write, so it's really easy for me to do. And I can do it in the evenings. I can write as late and I can write 1 a.m. if I want, right? As late as I want and then post it in the mornings. And it just really fit my schedule, number one. And number two, like what I enjoy to do and what fits my personality. And so and that should probably be number one and schedule number two. And um, the change has been huge. Like I had a few people sign up for the Discord. It was good. It was enjoyable. But the newsletter's taken off, right? Like it's just nearly doubled here in the past few months as far as the free subscribers. And um, all of this has just been because of figuring out like how to fail <laughs> quickly. And so that Discord room was only open a month, right? I, I left it open the full month because people paid for a month. So I made sure everybody got their month's worth and gave them all access to the newsletter and went that route. But um, I quickly, re you know, recognized it wasn't just hard. It's just, it wasn't the right fit. And so I pivot and tried to figure out what would be a better fit by learning from, you know, what failed. So what I was not, not enjoying, what wasn't a good fit. So hopefully that helps with like kind of thinking through um, what you're trying to do. If you are trying to create other avenues to wealth, I don't know if anybody else here, I mean, you guys are all very smart and successful individuals. So I wouldn't be surprised if you have yet to have any failures, right? No failures here. But if there's anything you guys would like to share, wins or failures, like, and things that, um, you know, you've learned along the way, that's what we want to share tonight. I've got some massive wins, too. Like I mentioned in the news, that is going great. I got to be honest with you, being on these spaces with all of these speakers, massive. I just can continuously meet new people. By the way, Ty, I see you out there. You started all this. Uh, Ty, other kinds of money. My man, he got me into you know, connected with a bunch of people and a few of them you see on stage here today. So shout out to Ty out there. But yeah, if you guys haven't already, by the way, give everybody on stage here a follow. They will add to your timeline. They're donating their time and their knowledge here. Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 8 Eastern, we get on these spaces and, you know, we shoot the shit basically, chop it up a little bit and uh, have a good time with it. Try to learn from each other. I know I learned a ton already tonight, so it's good. Like the stuff that Eric and Blind Luck brought up, that's i I'm going to go back and listen to this a little bit more and think about that noodle on it a bit. But um, let's keep it rolling. Carl, I want to get you involved here. You've got, I'm, I'm impressed with what you've got set up. And um, I'm also endlessly curious about it. Like, uh, if you don't mind, would you, would you share a little bit about like what you do and um, how how it is that you've gotten like or you maintain your success because it seems like you're doing good over there yeah thanks Nate um, I think first and foremost any investor or business owner needs to think about their downside and protect their downside no matter what and not be as much as, as concerned as much about you know, making a killing, but not, you, you don't want to just lose everything. And that, that's been part of the secret sauce is, you know, I was lucky to have my father as a mentor and we worked very closely together. So he taught me what he knew about how he managed his portfolio. 
And he had a concentrated portfolio, a highly concentrated portfolio. And uh, most people would consider that, you know, risky because you hear, oh, you need to diversify to protect yourself from crack of booms, <laughs> which was a new term for me. So I'm looking forward to diving into that as well. But the concentrated portfolio, I think, with the amount of work I put into understanding as deeply as possible the companies that I'm investing in big time, I think I'm, I'm more protected from risk in the event of a market-wide event because I feel that, that these companies would go down less than the broader market. And so that's part of my secret sauce is being a, a long-term buy and hold concentrated investor. Uh, it's not uh, as exciting as, as um, you know, YOLOing into uh, Celsius or whatever the, whatever the hot stock pick is of, of, of late. I still play around with that from time to time, but I find that I'm, very good at shooting myself in the foot when it comes to day ah. trading. So uh, I think no. How do you stay convicted? Uh, maybe you're getting to that right now. I was say, yeah. how do you stay convicted when you see like? I mean, we just went through 2020, right? Where in yeah. 2021, where I mean, you you saw people, you saw Portnoy, right? Like do this thing. Yeah. You, just, you just saw things going crazy where you've done all this work to build this concentrated portfolio. Like how, how do you not just like break away from your discipline and, um, you know, go after, go YOLO? You know, it's, it's hard to see the world falling apart, right? We, like we did during the pandemic, especially in you know the early part of March before the bottom came out and the Fed came in to rescue everything, supposedly. Uh, we'll see if we're still going to pay the piper. Uh, um, but I think having experience going through, you know, I've been investing since 2003. So, you know, been through the... Um, the great financial crisis and, you know, see, and, and again, learning from my dad who, who told me all about the seventies and, uh, 87, um, you know, all these black swan events, uh, you know, I think the thing that keeps me going is just always looking at a long-term chart, because if you zoom out, you see that, you know, over the last however many years, the S&P 500 or, and most of the great American businesses go up and to the right. And, you know, I, I saw that happen with Meta a couple of years ago. That was a big win for me, um, seeing that, you know, the market was completely discounting their entire business because they 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 seem to be you know uh, Zuckerberg and company seem to be yellowing into into the metaverse right and everybody was like what what kind of crazy stuff is this the Apple um, the Apple tracking thing happened and I I just I I go into any investment with a five year plan pretty much pretty much and I try and stick with that and I had confidence in Zuckerberg and Charles Sandberg at the time. And the rest of the team, and I said, you know, you know, this is going to blow over. They're going to figure out the Apple thing. The metaverse is going to either be a huge success or a failure, but it's not really that big a a game changer for them. And this company just prints money. I mean, they uh, they are just a free cash flow machine. So that's not going to change anytime soon. Five years from now. Uh, it was going to be fine, and that turned out to be that turned out to be the right call. My only issue is I I didn't buy it at eighty eight dollars. I stopped at you know one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty, but I'm still not uh, I'm still not crying about that. So, you know the number the number one thing is to stay focused, stay disciplined, and and just maintain the courage of your convictions. Yeah, easier said than done, but I'm impressed, totally. man. I'm impressed. Yeah, buying Meta after that, 
I mean, right now, looking at the chart and just considering everything, it seems like the easiest thing in the world. But it when it, yeah, yeah. But when it fell, you know, from down, you know, cut in half basically, and right. uh, you have no idea what's going on with the metaverse. I'll tell you what, some brilliant stuff going on with Meta. Um, not the company necessarily, and I'm not even a fan. Like I actually can't stand a lot of what they do. But anyways, that aside great stock right obviously and some of the things they've done recently just shows that they really actually do know what they're doing right so totally right when you're at a point of like what could you possibly announce next they announced a dividend right like i mean yeah. just i mean just, the timing couldn't have been better and off it rips like it's it's out of control the way they do this and it's good i mean out of control in a good way so um, yeah, you, you stay convicted, you recognize that, that and, it's, and of course, there's going to be some mistakes along the way, right? Like, you can't all be winners, as they say, but uh, you just make sure you make sure that your, your, your losses don't, don't kill you and, and get you out of the game completely. So that's, yes. uh, you know, that's the key, how I started, uh, you know, talking today is just make sure you, you just, you, you don't lose your shirt in the market. Makes sense to me, man. I like it. Blind luck, what's up? Yeah, so I mean, you're spot on, Carl. So Charlie Munger has a great quote: "Is um, your rate of return is less important than not getting wiped out." I mean, you see people all the time. They go bet the farm, get over leveraged, whatever their weapon of choice is, and um, you know they may not even be wrong, but the timing's not quite right, or you know the options contract runs out of um, you know you know the premiums too rich or whatever. They get wiped out, and, and you know, I, I'm like you. I'm a slow and steady, you know, investor. I do mostly index investing and stuff, but I also am a small business owner. But I only took ten thousand dollars to start my business, and I make twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year off it now, which is an excellent return. But it took me five, ten years to build. The key thing here is my downside risk was only ten thousand dollars. I did not bet the farm. I could afford to lose that money. And, um, you know, the Apple car is another good example. Apple spent $2 billion over 10 years trying to develop, you know, a car concept. That's money they could afford to lose. They probably learned something through the process. They decided not to proceed. They canceled their car program earlier this week. And um, that's okay. They took a risk. It was a measured risk where they knew they could survive the down, downside of it. And uh, they're going to continue on to other great things. Meta uh, is a similar example. You know, they... I know their stock got pounded as they were dumping money into the metaverse and this experiment of theirs, but the key thing is they were still a profitable company. They were cash flowing. They could afford to take that risk. You see other people, maybe it's real estate, maybe um, you know, they're, they want to start this big business idea or whatever they have, but they put every penny they have into it plus whatever people will give them, and they get wiped out. And You, know, you need to be able to, to blow up a few rockets before you get to the moon. You can't bet it all on one rocket even elon musk with spacex he had four or five failures before he got the first one into space um because he watched his downside risk and he made sure he could survive to fight another day so that, that's a great concept i couldn't agree more um guys it's great stuff and i just you just reminded me i don't know how this reminded me of it but hey i noticed this uh this is actually brought to my attention i just pinned it in the top of the uh Whatever the hell we call it now, the nest. Um, and I didn't I don't know if this is real or if this is, you know, I, I haven't looked into it, I guess is what I'm saying. So I, for those of you who are us that have an LLC or corporation, um, I'm curious what you're, if you already know about this, but um, I'll go ahead and just read it. It says, uh, you must now register with FinCEN in 2024. Penalties for not violating are $500 a day. It goes on to say, like, if you, you know, had your company before 2024, then, you know, you have like the entire year, I think, to get the yeah, file. Yeah, that's a new requirement. It's just stupid because most of this information you submit to the IRS, the Business of Commerce, uh, State Department, all the stuff. But, um, yeah, it was yeah. part of the Inflation Reduction Act um, that Team Biden passed. And that is an, part of it. Okay. Yep. Keep going. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just another silly, you know, agency that needs your information. And, and there's really nothing new. Uh, I, I think they have you list all the owners of your LLC and what percentage of benefit they get from it. But it, it's silly because you could have easily just like added a form to the IRS you know, tax return. They didn't need to have a whole new um, 
you know, agency get involved. But yes, it's real. If you're a business owner like I am, you do have to do it. I already did it. It was not that hard to do, but um, it, it's almost like they're trying to play gotcha. Like you're going to get to 2025 and a lot of people who aren't sophisticated won't have done this yet and they're going to get penalized and it's just not really fair. But, um, it, you know, that's, that you got to, if you want to play the game, hey, you play by the rules. Hey, blind like, is it like, can you like file it online? Yeah, or... it's online. There's a small fee. Um, it was like a five-step thing. It was basically, you know, what's your uh, employment identification number? Uh, what's your address? Who are all the owners? You need to list out the owners. Um, what percentage of um, profits do each owner take, um, et cetera. It was pretty basic, um, but okay. it's a whole new agency that you got to go deal with. So, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah okay. it's, it's not hard. It's just something you got to do. I went ahead and reposted it as well, like, and then pinned it to the top here. But shout out to the Money Cruncher for posting that. Um, it's good info, and somehow I missed that. So blind luck, of course, did not miss it at all. All over it. Thanks for Actually, running. My, that. Uh, my CPA caught it for me. I I was not that tuned in. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> I mean, he definitely experienced LLC owner. You know. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's good to have friends who have a little bit more experience, right? That's why we're getting these spaces. Every single one of us has different levels of experience in different areas, in different arenas, and so you know, that, yeah. that that plays into a great wealth building wisdom thing is um, know what you don't know. So like for me, yes, I, yeah. I don't know I don't know shit about taxes. Like I know the basics because of the stuff I've been exposed to. But like these tax guys, these CPAs, you know, they're getting weekly newsletters. They're getting all these uh, law notification updates, like things that change every year and. They learn all the loopholes because they do 500 tax returns a year. Like they, they, it is their business to know this stuff. And rather than me wasting a bunch of time trying to figure all this out all out for one tax return, I just pay somebody to do it for me because I know he's going to do it 20 times better than me. And it's going to save me so much time that I can then go do other things like, you know, share my knowledge in this space or write articles on my website or, you know, build products for my other business. Um, my time is not well utilized trying to tackle something I don't know much about. So know what you don't know and recruit team members who might be better than you in something. Um, there's no shame in, you know, having a quarterback on the team that's better at throwing the ball than the lineman that you might be, right? Like figure out what position you're good at and build a team around you that will support that. Yeah, it sounds so simple too, right? And it kind of is. Like it really is that simple. And uh, know know your weaknesses, know your strengths, know what you know, know what you don't know. Don't fake. No, no need to fake the funk on any of that stuff. Like if you don't know, you don't know it. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's really good. Sound uh, words of advice. There, it's just be humble, right? And go ask. Yeah, you don't money. need to play the Super Bowl by yourself. Like go get the best people you can on your team. Leverage that. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, man. Um, so again, like there's there's two ways, two things in my mind to really think about while you're going navigating this wealth building kind of journey. And no matter what it is you're doing, whether it's you know working multiple, uh, really multiple jobs or having uh, multiple side hustles in addition to like a primary income or however you're mixing it up and going about it. Two big things to keep in mind. One is. And what, what what blind luck was just hitting on is lean on others, right? That's how you're going to have the big wins. Is really um, leveraging others' strengths and then uh, offering help along the way, right? Like offering what value you bring in exchange for kind of that assistance on the other side, scratching backs they call it. And uh, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest ways to really get ahead. I mean, I, I've literally done nothing since I got on. Uh, this app here, but network and ask questions. I mean, I can't, I think each one of you I've asked questions of, <laughs> like no joke, gotten on the horn with and asked questions. And then in return, I try to do the same thing and try to share what knowledge I, I know. And um, it works pretty well, I would say, you guys. I, I think you probably agree with me across the board here. Um, and then the other, so that's one, right, is is uh, that's one one hack. And then the other side of it, is the failing side and and you just got to embrace it like it is it is beautiful to fail in many respects it shows that you're giving it a go it shows you're getting out of your comfort zone it shows that you are trying to do something that isn't a guaranteed win right and 
man, that's what that's living. You are now living. You are not just taking the easy, easy ride. You're not just kicking back and watching TV. And uh, that, and that is something to embrace. And uh, it's one thing I say often is people do not take enough risks. I'm not saying go out and be stupid and take ridiculous risks, but calculated, smart risks that doesn't cost you anything or cost you very little. Like Blind Luck mentioned earlier, he's got he had he knew what he could lose. He was comfortable with it. It wasn't going to alter the course of his life in a negative way if it went the wrong way when losing that money. But he knew that the upside was you know potentially huge, right? So got a couple of hands up. First to you, Blind Luck, what's up? Yeah, you know, I think the failure thing, you, you got to embrace failure. I mean, everybody who's ever achieved anything has failed at, at something. And uh, I just like to think of Buzz Lightyear, you know, the falling with style. Like, just, just kind of embrace the process. <laughs> and, yeah, accept the fact that you're not going to, you know, nail it the first time. You know, and kind of like in Batman, like, you know, the, when he's a child, he falls into that cave. And, and um, what's the butler's name? Uh, Alfred? Yeah, Alfred. Yeah, Alfred, he's like, why do we fall, Master Bruce? So, so we can get back up, you know? And I just embrace that. Like, just make sure that when you fall, it doesn't kill you. You know, make sure you take measured risk, you know what your downside is, and that you can continue to fight another day. Yes, sir. Frank, did you have something you wanted to add? Um, you were talking, you know, the, the, the topic, wealth building. Um, yeah. I'll give you a, a, a good example of, of wealth building, which which I feel like, I learned from others, right? So in the in the nine in the in the 90s, I was a specialist, and into 2008, I was a specialist on the New York Stock Exchange. And in the 90s, I uh, I was a specialist in Berkshire Hathaway. So I think it was 95 or 96. Uh, Warren decided to uh, create an A and a B stock. So we actually performed that task for him on the floor. And believe me, we had paper, like we were doing it from paper, converting A to B stock. And then we did the R between the A and the B stock. But in that formation, guys would come over uh, from other places and they were, their dads were important or lawyers. One guy was the uh, head attorney for American Express. And uh, Warren was on the floor one day and this guy knew he was going to be on there. He happened to be Warren's attorney also. And I would look around and I'm like, all these guys that come around, they're all shareholders in Berkshire Hathaway. So <clears throat> I'm a relatively young guy and I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. So ever since then, and after having several breakfasts and lunches and actually reporting to Warren uh, for a few years, if my partner wasn't around, I would do the reporting. Um, great experience, humbled by it. Like, simple guy. He is what you see. So I started investing in Berkshire Hathaway B. And to this day, um, I own Berkshire Hathaway B. My son owns Berkshire Hathaway My daughter owns Berkshire Hathaway B. And here's why I own it. Because when you can buy an ETF, and yeah, you're going to go up and down with the ETF. There's You know, you have to move around. If you're by Berkshire B, they just, you guys should all go and pull a letter off from the weekend. He was a little negative. Um, but here's a company who has $150 billion in cash, probably in, you know, treasuries, that they're just, it's just sitting there waiting. Now, a lot of people say that's irresponsible. Well, he's protecting you and you're investing in it every day. And their biggest holding is Apple which is producing tons of capital, buying their stock back. He's buying his own stock back every year, except not right now. Why? Because he thinks the stock is too expensive. So, like, what better kind of manager can you have? And, and this, you know, Charlie Munger's not gone. He'll be gone in a few years. But he's installed that in that next generation. And now I'm the third generation of a group of guys that owns Berkshire Hathaway. I'm not a multimillionaire. There are a lot that own it. A lot of guys that I know are extremely wealthy own a shitload of, of Berkshire A and B. But it, it's one avenue that you should probably think about and look into because um, they have a diverse portfolio. They don't invest unless um, 
they're one, it gets the rigor that you go through to become part of their portfolio is incredible. And everything they have is beautiful. It's perfect. And if it's not perfect, they kick it out. Um, and you start, they start small and they get bigger. You can look at Oxy. He said, they're never going to own Oxy. They own, I think they own like 30% of OXY, but like, that's the type of investing that you want to do for yourself and you can have them do it for you because it's tough to do it yourself. And I, I'm a trader. Uh, I've been trading for a long time and, um, you know, those are, you have to be different from a trader than an investor. They're two completely different things. And then there's timelines of the trader. There's the, the day trader, the weekly trader, the swing trader. And then there's the six month and the yearly. I'm buying leaps next year. There's all different types of things. But as a long-term investor to gain wealth, if you're not, you know, a lot of guys do it in their own business. Um, but this is one way for us who, who work and put money away. My son's puts $50 a week. He's 26 years old into Berkshire B and um, he will retire when he's 50 years old with, with doing that. I'm almost positive, um, especially with what I leave him. Um, but I think that's a, you know, something for the audience to think about because it took me a while to figure it out. And uh, you know, I've made mistakes too. I mean, huge mistakes, huge losses. I've lost, um, to be transparent, I've lost a million five in an hour. And uh, in, in, in 1998, I lost a million five in an hour and, and covered the loss. I think it was 2.5 as a trader with 26 partners having to answer to them when our firm's for sale for a quarter of a billion dollars. And uh, the next day, kept my emotions tight and made 17 million. So like... Life is like, it comes and goes and every bad experience is a learning experience, but trading is a very unique, I've been doing it for a long time. It's very unique. It, like today, Nate, you were on the call today and I'm like, we're right on demand. We're right on demand. Everyone knows we're right on demand in NQ we were trading. And um, tomorrow we're going to find out if it, they never make it easy tomorrow at 830 when that PCA we're going to find out if that demand zone is going to hold because if it doesn't, it's a puke. And if it does, it's skyrocketing. Um, you know, we're going to see that that works, but like there's a new day every day in trading and in investing, you can't make too many mistakes. So just to, just something to be interested in, you know, take a look at what company do you know that has 160 billion in cash and is only going to deploy it when things are horrible when things are terrible and then they can deploy it to people like Goldman Sachs and charge them 14% interest on the money they give them. That's what they did in 2008. I mean, just, just use that cash. Remember we all hear, you know, cash is king. Well, even at a level of Berkshire Hathaway, they know how to do it. And they, if you read the letter, which you should lead it, it's, it's a great read um, from Warren that uh, you should, uh, you should read it because he's telling us something Every time he, he reads that letter, it's like it's like listening to the Fed, you know, in, in that letter, there's a lot of little things that you can grab. Anyway, just my thoughts. Love it, Frank. Thanks, man. This is, this is great stuff. And uh, yeah, resilience and maintaining your confidence and focus is, is massive on this uh, on these adventures of wealth building for sure, because you're not going to have like nonstop winners. Right. Definitely not. If in. What's really frustrating along the way is when you're on a hot streak, whether it's trading or whatever it is, you know, whether you're in the stock market or not, like we could be talking about your business where you're selling, you know, whatever widget and you've just been on fire. And then all of a sudden you have these months where sales dry up or whatever it is, right? There's going to be those hiccups and it's how you're able to respond to them and quickly, you know, either adjust or hold steady like figure out that you just need to ride through it and there's nothing that you've done or could do about it right called that your sphere of influence and if you recognize that everything within that sphere you're you're maintaining and you're you're taking care of then you know you just gotta let the rest ride and, and sort itself out and you know these things just take time and experience to figure out um but it all comes from taking some risk up front 
and understanding how to navigate those failures along the way and and, and really just leverage and run with those wins. Um, and it really does really does help when you have a bunch of you know a, a broad network, different friends that you can lean on. And uh, I didn't I didn't have too many people I could talk to. I'll be honest with you, like I have a great family. I'm very fortunate. We got good friends, like a small number, but they're really good friends. But as far as talking to them about investing and especially trading, like it's Greek. You know, they don't they don't have any interest in learning it. They they do the set it and forget it. And I think that's great, you know, to each their own. Um, but there's just not a lot of people I can talk to about it. So here I am, like I've met all of you fine folks here up on stage. To those about you, to those out there listening, appreciate you tuning in, right? Because it gives us an audience to uh, to speak with and to, and uh, I just appreciate it. It's great, and and it's a great atmosphere. Like I've been on it for about a year now, and what an atmosphere to learn from some of those like yourself, Nate, and I see stocks after dark. I own. I ran a futures fund in 2012 to 14, and I'm learning things at the at this age. And I ran a fund from Stocks After Dark and from you guys and from, you know, Paper Gains and from Jaguar and you know Kevin and all these other guys that are on Spaces every day. It's incredible the wealth of information that's there, and you know you hope that you can add a little bit of you know alpha or something to the conversation but um it's quite incredible how like you can talk to people across the country and guys in mexico i was talking to today i mean a trader from mexico but there is a big difference between trading and wealth building it's a huge difference yes and and that's that's the thing you have to recognize everybody's going to recognize yeah, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that, Frank. And uh, that's something I'll, and I, I don't want to go on too long here tonight, but uh, real quick note, I, I got comments about that on one of these spaces of because we like to do Wealth Building Wednesdays, but obviously my handle is Trader Nate here. And, you know, I talk about trading, focuses on work from home trading and all that. And um, my newsletter trading, everything's trading. Um, but you're right, the wealth building. Um, so he was saying, he's giving me a hard time. He's like, you can't build wealth just through trading. It's like, you know, there are people who have done it. It's not like it's impossible. Mike, Mark Minervini, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. I know I'm saying it wrong. Apologize. But he's had massive success trading. Like there's people who have traded their ways, uh, definitely very successful. But it's not like... Um, I mean, you could also be a professional basketball player, a baseball player, right? But the odds aren't great, I guess is what I'm getting at. So, you know, to your point, trading to build wealth is not necessarily what we're talking about every Wednesday. We're talking about building wealth and the mindset and the approach and the different techniques that you can take regardless of what you're doing, whether it's, you know, you you have a shop in your garage or it's you're writing, you know, a newsletter like I'm doing or We've got a bunch of people here doing different things, quite frankly. So um, I actually want to get to a point where I am trading enough and, and doing well and consistently enough on the trading front that that could be like a nice additional source of income to the point where it's not just building my retirement fund, which is what I currently do with it, but also do it for you know income on a daily so I don't have to sweat through the nine to five. So I don't think I can do that alone i don't want to just solely rely on trading so i've got these other things in the work right so we'll get there it takes i think two to three years easily before you can um i think some people obviously have crazy success stories which is great and i'm always happy to hear it honestly but i think if you're embarking on this journey you're starting off trying to leverage social media and trying to you know establish a network establish some credibility um unless you I mean, if you had some major accomplishments, you can really kind of leverage that and accelerate your growth. Um, but otherwise, it's a it's a building process. It's uh, meeting the right people and taking all that time to do uh, all the incremental steps to get there. And it's two to three years. Like I hate to tell you guys, at least I'm only a year plus into it and I feel great about it. But everybody that I've talked to that's got these hundreds of hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, doing massively well. Um, it's, it takes two, you know, two, three years just to get that foundation built. So, um, think about that when you're planning and, you know, trying to set things up so that you can build that generational wealth. And, 
yeah, don't don't let it stop you. Take the risk to get there. Be smart about it. And uh, keep joining us on these spaces every Tuesday, Wednesday. We love having you guys join us. And be sure to follow all of these speakers. Again, I'll say one last time before we sign off. And you guys, anybody here have any last comments before I do wrap it up this evening? I appreciate you guys all showing up. Frank, you got one it was nice to get involved. I love it, man. Thanks for sharing, Frank. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a great, it's a, what a great forum that uh, space is this. It is. I love it. I love being able to hear it from all of you guys, too. What's up, Stocks After Dark? Hey, Nate, thanks again for uh, hosting this. I just want to add one quick thing for everybody's listening. I think um, one big thing that we all kind of miss is that um, investing or building wealth, I think patience is the key. I think a lot of people are in a rush to get the, the, the money now or the, the fame now or just the status now or, or the power now. I think if um, people just are patient with, um, you know, with this wealth building, it'll come a lot quicker than they realize. You know, I think a lot of people just sleep on that idea like, oh, if I don't get it within the next day, next week, even the next year, then it's, it's not worth it. And I think if a lot of people in hindsight, they're like, oh man, five, 10 years ago, I would have loved to start some kind of investment in either in an equity or a company or in a business. And they look back, if I only done that, you know, five, 10 years ago, you know, I would be retired now. So I think patience, a lot of people just lack the patience. I think that's one key element that we're missing in all this. So I think you're spot on. just wanted to say that. No, thank you for adding that. I think you're spot on. Patience is a huge part of it. And that's where I don't think people have nearly enough patience. Something I work on daily. What's up, Blind? Like, what would you add? I, I like the patience aspect here. I think people, we're, we're so used to instant gratification. We, we will take unnecessary risk to try and hit that home run. And it's all about base hit, just systematically chip away at your goal and you'll get there. I mean, like when I started my first business, it took five years before I turned a profit and I just made sure I didn't sink too much cash into it, did everything myself, sweat equity, and I eventually got there, but it took time. And uh, you just have to be consistent. Uh, too, too many people do one of two things. They, they either swing big and go for that home run and they end up striking out. Or they keep changing your goal after like a week or two. Like, oh, that didn't work. I'll try something else. Oh, that didn't work. I'll try something else. And you do need to be flexible and adapt, but you need to keep that same goal. Kind of keep attacking it from different directions versus just randomly and erratically going, you know, after different goals. You need the same goal and attack it from every angle possible until you figure out that secret sauce that works. Well said, man. I love that point as well. So patience is good too. It's good, really strong points we're ending on here. Patience. I mean, most people just, even if you're on a successful track, just don't have the stamina to make, like I said, two to three years, easy to build this thing. And I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. That's good. Six months is usually when folks, you know, kind of lose focus, lose momentum. And that's, that's where it ends. And so, yeah. And, like you said, Blind, like you got to have focus. It's I love to do a million different things. One of the things I enjoy about life is how how much variety and how much experiences, how many different experiences you can have. Um, but when it comes to what I'm trying to do here, it's all about focus. In fact, I was asked earlier today about like what stocks am I like enjoying today or you know, hot on today, watching today, and because I'm trying to. Uh, you know, get through this uh, camp, this uh, qualifying round on the trading futures. I haven't been looking at anything because I'm focused on this. I got to succeed here. I can't be trying to trade options and futures and everything else. Like that's not, not how I roll. So it's a really strong point too. I think is focus and patience. These are these are key aspects towards your success and being able to build generational wealth. It does take some time, um, but you know, stay at out. Uh, one last thing: building the first hundred k. Oh man, that's brutal. Like it just seems like it takes forever and you get setbacks and you'll have the market pull back right right when you're getting close to hitting milestones, you're like, oh almost to 50k, and then the market just dumps and you're way back to 40k or whatever. Just huge, you know, setbacks like that'll feel like it takes forever. But what's crazy is once you get to hundred K and then you just like look up the next, you know, couple of weeks in and you're like, Well, I have 105k already. Like, how is that? How do I have I'm, Yeah, and, and that's just 100 100K, 100K is great. It's almost like your your portfolio almost becomes self-healing. Like, yes, you can have a bad trade or you can, yeah, you can have a bad trade or you can have 
a mistake or two and like the dividends will just heal that up in like a year, you know, and it's, it's really cool where instead of being dragged down by like student debt or consumer debt or whatever, you know, you may have, it's almost like holding a hot air balloon and it just keeps pulling you up and it, it gets easier because you have this big hot air balloon that's just dragging you up. And, um, you know, you can make mistakes at that point, but man, that first hundred K is a bitch. I 100% <laughs> agree. It's the worst, man. But yeah, it, it's cool. The, the, once you get there, that milestone, it's cool to watch the money compound. And that's what it's about is like you get that base and allow it to compound and work for you, make your money work, you know, work for you, make it be your best employee. And uh, I try to say that as much as I can. So, all right, guys, this has been great. I appreciate everybody tuning in again one last time. Make sure you follow these speakers if you haven't already. Just a lot of great knowledge. They'll add to your timeline. I guarantee it. Um, and if you haven't checked out my newsletter, I'm going to plug it. You know, check out Traders Education. I pinned it up top. Also, you can check out my timeline. I write every day. It's free. And I thoroughly enjoy it. So hopefully that comes through in the writing and uh, teach you a little something about trading. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in. We'll do this again next week, next Tuesday, Wednesday, be back at 8 p.m. But I'm sure I'll be on Spaces much more throughout the week. So hopefully catch you then. And otherwise, have a great night. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, folks. Take care. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody.